Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see everyone. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And um, I want to talk a little bit this morning before I start our new message series, uh, talk a little bit about our greatest gift offering, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks on December 11th. Uh, You'll be getting more information about that, but I want to show a video about that from Hope Ranch for Women. We've been trying to do some of the, uh, some of our updates from our ministry partners. We've talked, we've heard from uh, a few in the past few weeks. We'll hear from uh, Pastor Marlon this coming Sunday. We'll be here with us from uh, Nicaragua, so be praying for him and his travel and his his time with us uh, over the next a few days as he gets here on Wednesday, I believe it is. But for this morning, I want to I want you to hear from Hope Ranch for Women, which is one of our ministry partners, and uh, let's let's see an update from them, and then we'll talk more about the greatest gift offering. Hello, Hope Ranch friends. I want to bring you our latest update about what is happening at Hope Ranch, as well as thank each of you who are vitally involved in the ministry. Whether you are a generous giver, a prayer warrior, a mentor, a humble servant who has worked on one of our properties, or a director of one of the ministries, whatever your role, I want to personally thank you for all you have done. You have significantly contributed to the women we serve. The investment of your time and your talent and treasure is impacting the lives of 27 young people who are connected to 21 mentors. As these survivors build relationships with mentors, they meet on a regular basis to pursue the hope, help, and healing they deserve. Your investment also impacts every young woman who experiences healing in a session with one of our horses and leader of the Christ-Centered Equine Assisted Learning Program. We will be eternally thankful for the literally hundreds of volunteers who have sacrificed thousands of hours and dollars to renovate and prepare the home for occupancy. Two of the three methods, mentoring and equine-assisted learning, are thriving and growing. Currently, we are raising operational dollars in order to sustainably launch the third method of the ministry. That third method is a safe and secure home for young women. Please continue to pray and serve and give in generous ways. With God's provision through people like you, we can reach all of the goals in the coming year, including the opening of the home. On behalf of the board and our entire team at Hope Ranch, thank you. May the Lord bless you and keep you in the grip of his mighty grace. Hope Ranch for Women is one of our ministry partners that gets supported through the the gifts and the generosity that you give through the greatest gift offering every year. We've done this for several years now. We've said, you know, this is Jesus' birthday, right? So we give the greatest, God has given us his greatest gift. And as a result and as a response to God giving us his greatest gift, every, every, every Christmas time, we've told our kids and our grandkids, uh, Jesus gets the greatest gift because it's his birthday. And many of you give inc- just, just hilarious, as Paul said, hilariously generously. Is that God loves a hilarious giver, a joy-filled giver. We're going to talk about joy this morning as we begin our Christmas, uh, uh, the Advent season. Anybody ready for some more joy? Anybody need some joy? <laughs> You're so enthusiastic about that. How about the rest of you? Anybody else want some joy in your lives or ways to express joy? We need more joy, don't we? And this is one of the ways we express our joy is by giving generously to the greatest gift offering every Christmas season. So December 11th, 
will be the day. You can begin giving anytime. You can give online. You can give with a check or however you'd like to do that. But be praying about, Kathy and I are praying about what God would have us to give. We do that every year. And then we'll anticipate continuing to partner with our ministry partners in Central America and in India and in Africa, here locally and around the world, as you, through your dollars and prayer, reach out to literally millions, about 1.5 million people get touched in various ways uh, through this offering. So be praying about, the, about what that looks like for you and the way God wants to express his joy and his generosity through you and through us. Well, as I said, we're going to start a new message series this morning, so grab your handout that you were given this morning as you came in. You can follow along on your outline there or, and grab your Bible or whatever you're going to read Scripture on this morning and get ready. Uh, we're, this morning is the first Sunday in Advent, and if you follow the Christian calendar, if you follow a liturgical calendar, you'll know that this is the first Sunday of the Christian year. It begins this Sunday in anticipation and in preparation for the celebration of the birth of our Savior, the rescuer of the world. And so the, today is the beginning. This is the beginning of the year, you might say, for all Christianity, all Christendom all around the world. We're going to begin our celebration and our preparation today by talking about joy. Anybody know the song, Joy to the World? Don't you love that? Joy to the world. You want to sing it with me? <laughs> there, yeah, there you go. Very good. So we'll sing that, uh, a line or two of that as we go along this morning. But God came in flesh in the form of Jesus Christ so we could have Joy to the world. <laughs> You're awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> we'll get that. We're going to get joy this morning in lots of ways. This, uh, to begin, uh, I want to show you a video clip. Maybe you've seen this. A four-year-old Nora Wood and her 82-year-old friend that she met in the canned food aisle at the grocery store. Let's watch installment of our series, A More Perfect Union, examines an unexpected but powerful friendship. Right. We're looking at unique connections to highlight how Americans have more in common than recent headlines might suggest. Steve Hartman shows us how an 82-year-old widower was touched by an innocent question <coughs> in the canned food aisle of a grocery store when he needed it most. Not long ago, in a cemetery outside Augusta, Georgia, a loving couple was buried. The wife buried below this white bouquet. The husband buried above in a mound of grief. Took me totally by surprise. 82-year-old Dan Peterson says after Mary died, he fell into a deep depression. Spent days just staring out at the squirrels. What were you living for? I was trying to figure that out. Honestly. You had no purpose? No. Were you just waiting to die? For six months, it was just that bad. And then one day you go to a grocery store. <laughs> it all changed inside this Publix. Dan was nearing the end of the canned vegetable aisle. He hates grocery shopping, and by all accounts, the expression on his face confirmed his aggravation. But that's when this unapproachable man was approached by a four-year-old girl named Nora Wood. In the security footage, you can see Nora randomly reaching out to him. Her mom, Tara, says it was quite embarrassing. 
She stood up and said, hi, old person, it's my birthday today. Old person? Old person. Hi, old person. She says this to this cranky old man. Yeah. And then had the audacity to demand a hug. I said, a hug? I said, absolutely. <laughs> Nora got her hug and then asked her mom to take a picture of her with her new friend. She zeroed in on him like a missile. And she didn't want anything from him. She just wanted to make him feel loved and give him a hug. And his little lip quivered and he was teared up and it was just sweet. And I said, you don't know. This is the first time for quite a while that I've been this happy. That all happened a couple months ago and his grin has only gotten wider since. Hi, sweetheart. Come in. Come in. Today, Nora visits at least once a week. So how's my sweetie, huh? And every time, it's the grocery store all over again. I knew I'd never get hurt. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. Totally unbelievable. It's a bridge. It's a bridge. Oh, okay. Dan does have grandkids of his own, but they're all grown and gone. And Nora does have grandparents. But her mom says this is a completely different kind of bond that almost defies explanation. She fell asleep holding a picture of them. I, what? <laughs> to Dan, it's equally miraculous, but far less mysterious. He believes Nora is, quite literally, an angel. She opened me to a love that I didn't know existed. Dan, let me ask you. When your wife died, you felt like you didn't have any purpose anymore. Do you feel like you have a purpose now? Of course. Nora, watching her grow up, I know I made room in my heart for a lot more. Steve Hartman joins us now. Oh my God, Steve. Wow. Jeez. What do you think, what do you attribute this bond to? I don't know. Nora is not one of these kids that goes out and talks to everybody she meets. This was a one-time thing, just reaching out to some random stranger in a grocery store. So this really defies explanation. But she saw something in him when yeah. she goes up and says, old person, of all the people in the grocery store. She saw something. What it was senior day there. There were lots of old persons Yeah, but there. she walked up to him. Yeah. So what is, what, how does Dan describe the bond? Uh, how does Dan, he explain it? How does Dan explain thinks it? that there's God at work here. Yeah, I do to too. Be, to be blunt. Um, I do too. Um, and, but he also wants, he has a message here. He thinks there's lots of other lonely old persons out there yeah. and lots of preschoolers with hugs of plenty. And he'd like to see more of them come together. You know, Steve, I love everything yeah, Steve does. Everything yeah. you do. But you said this was your favorite story. This is because? Because anytime you get different generations falling in love with each other, yeah. I, that gets me. In a word, what has he added to her life? I don't, she's just, I don't know, because, because she's a little bit hard to talk to. She's four. I couldn't really do an interview with her. But all I can, all I recognize is just that I was there for about an hour, and there were about at least five or six hugs. Yeah. So she's found something that goes beyond even a grandparent thing. And I love her mother encouraging it, too. I love yeah. that, that she yeah. gets to go see him once yes. a week. Yeah, beautiful story. Really, really Thank nice. You. Thank you. You need another box of tissues with you, Mr. Hartman. <laughs> Anybody want a hug? <laughs> yeah. We need a lot more of those, don't we? Um, as we consider this, not just this season, but as we 
Think about what's going on in our own soul. Is it more like Dan, the 82-year-old, or is it more like Nora, the 4-year-old? Are you going down the canned food aisle? Or are you reaching out to people saying, Hi, want a hug? You know, Jesus came for a lot of reasons. He came to establish and show us what his kingdom is all about. He came to rescue us. But he also came, his word says, to give us great joy. Let's read it in Luke chapter 2. You've read this or heard it perhaps maybe hundreds of times, but let's hear it through different ears this morning. Luke chapter 2 verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy which will be for all the people. He's bringing good news of great joy. A few weeks ago, we did a series here, a message series called Run the Race. We spent a lot of time in this passage of Scripture each week. I want to remind us of it again so that we can once again see what matters to Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know? Do you know what the joy set before him is? Do you know what that is? It's you. You are his joy. Because of you, because you are his joy, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and now has made it possible not only for him to sit at the right hand of God, but for you as well. You are his joy. You're the object of his affection. And it's clear through all of his word, over and over and over again, I think we miss this so often because perhaps we're focused on our own canned food aisle. And we miss the joy that God has for us, reaching out to us in lots of forms. You are his joy. And he wants you to have it too. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's going to help you with this. You may think, well, I can't have joy in the middle of what I'm going through. And God knows that, perhaps. And he says, you know what? I'm going to help you with that. The Holy Spirit is going to fill you with all joy and all hope because you are the object of his affection. Do you believe that? Can you receive that? I believe with every ounce of my being that we can all have joy regardless of our circumstances. Not just temporary joy, not just a, 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 a quick little fun fix, but a soul-deep, lasting joy from heaven. And we live in a world, don't we, where there's not a whole lot of joy. Anybody been Christmas shopping? Seen some of it out there? I, was, I didn't go Christmas shopping. Thank the Lord I didn't get to, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't have to go. Um, I love shopping for Christmas when I'm buying gifts for people I love, but I, I, I don't like fighting the crowds. Um, and in fact, you know, if you were out, anybody go out this weekend or this week shopping, doing a little bit of that? Uh, I was talking to my niece who saw a fight in Walmart in a place in Missouri. Some people were hauled off to jail. So I'm like, they're Christmas shopping. Are you kidding me? Because God wants to fill you with joy and peace if you're following along. We need to know this, that God is the source of joy. God is your source of joy. And he wants to be the source of joy for you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we read what we know as, some of us know as the fruit of the Spirit. And this is, these are the attributes of God. These are the attributes of the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of having God living in you, will be this. These things will manifest in and through us. The fruit of the Spirit, the result of having God in us is this. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. God is our source. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can have some of these on our own on a temporary basis, but it's not going to last unless you have God in your life. It's not going to last unless the Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing. This is what overflows from us. Love and joy and peace and so. God is the source of joy. It's something he manifests in us and through us as he fills us and as we connect to him. Now, that may be news for some of you. Um, in my case, um, maybe some of you as well, like me. Did anybody grow up in a church uh, being told that if it's fun, there must be something wrong with it? Anybody else? Did you, did you grow up in a church like that? Um, you know, <laughs> I think church ought to be a blast. Anybody else agree with me? I think, we, I think the church ought to be the place where we have the most fun. I, I know a guy in ministry who has fun all the time. His, his idea of fun is to put on a leather jacket, a white helmet, and get on his motorcycle, drive to the end of his long driveway, and hold his wife's hair dryer and point it at cars as they go by. <laughs> he, does, he does that just because he likes the smell of burning rubber and brake pads as they slow down as fast as they can. But it really messes with their brains because he's sitting on a pink moped. 
guys are looking at him going, I'm just going to slow down. This guy's nuts. He has a blast every moment of every day. But for me, I grew up learning from a very early age, that, believing that God was not the source of joy. Anybody else in the room grow up that way? I mean, I, I thought God was the source of pain, like he was standing over me, you know, ready to stomp the pain out of, or the, the joy out of me. Like, Dennis Turner shall not have joy. I mean, that's kind of the idea I had from God, or about God, not from him, but about him. At a very, very early age, I hated going to church. It certainly wasn't a place where I had any fun. Uh, I got more spankings in church for not sitting still and being quiet than any other day of the week. I dreaded going to church. That's why still I don't like putting on church clothes. You know, you know the truth about this? You know that the truth about this is that the only one who doesn't want you to have joy is the one that Jesus said he came to overcome. You know that, right? You know that the only one who doesn't want you to have fun at church is the one Jesus said he came to destroy. Have you ever noticed that that Everything can be going great in your marriage or in your family until Sunday morning when you're on the way to church. Anybody ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that it's really easy to get to work on time every day, but when it comes to Sunday and you're trying to get to church, which starts at least an hour after your normal work time, you have a hard time getting there. <laughs> Nobody in the room? Okay. Um, 1 John, love this passage of Scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The Son of God, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. That's one of the reasons he came. Same thing's true for our altar ministry time. The only person who doesn't want you to come and be prayed for is the one Jesus came to destroy. That's the only one. Let me ask you. How's it going? How's this joy factor going for you? What, or maybe put it, put it another way. What does your face say about the level of joy in your life? I know, I know some Christians that need to have a missionary sent to their face. <laughs> what does your attitude communicate about joy? You know, I think people should be standing in line on Sunday morning trying to break the doors down in church or maybe at your home or any place where God's people gather, trying to break the door down, trying to figure out why they're having so much fun in there. Don't you? Anybody else? Don't you think church ought to be the most fun place on the planet? I do. Joy and laughter doesn't just belong to Saturday Night Live or wherever uh, comedians are. I think it belongs to God. I think laughter and joy and fun is God's idea. You know, we live in a world that says, if you have enough power, you'll have joy. Or if you have enough possessions, you'll have joy. Or if you have the right position, you'll have joy. Or if you have the right politics, you'll have joy. But God says, if you have the Prince of Peace, that's when you have joy. And that's when it lasts. God's the source of joy. Secondly, a perfect God loves imperfect people. A perfect God loves imperfect people. Jesus proved that by the people he chose to follow him. <laughs> Jesus goes to 12 
ragtag, ragamuffin guys that are just fishermen and sailors. You ever know a fisherman and sailor to tell the truth? But he goes and he gets pick, picks fishermen and sailors and carpenters and tax collectors, for heaven's sake. That's the kind of people he picks to follow him. These are lake people. I'm not talking about people who have lake houses. I'm talking about people who work on the lake. They're very imperfect. <laughs> and he picks those guys to follow him, and he invests in them, and he teaches them, and he shows them what the kingdom of God is like, and then he hands the kingdom to them and says, now go and tell everybody else. And they did. Very imperfect people loved by a perfect God who doesn't look for perfect people to love or fill with his joy. You know, Kathy and I have been married now for 34 years, and neither of us are perfect. We're far, far from it. And our imperfections have often been used by God, in fact, to be sandpaper for one another, to you know, sort of rub off the rough edges. We've had a lot of ups and downs over the years, and by God's grace, there are many more good days, especially as we get older than there were in our earlier days as a married couple. We laugh now and say, you know, we talk a lot more than we used to, partly because our hearing is starting to go. And we say, you know, so we spend a lot of time going, what did you say? So our joke now is we talk twice as much as we used to. Um, we're very imperfect. Um, recently, most of you know, we went to Israel. Uh, some of you who are here in the room went with us, and so you know what it was like to get to Israel and be very jet-lagged. When we got there, we were exhausted. We'd had very little sleep on the plane, and um, so we, over the first few days that we're in Israel, we're, having, we're trying to, you know, sleep all night long and try to figure out how to do that, and inevitably we'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, sleep-starved and, and tired, and occasionally I'd need to get up and take a little walk to the bathroom, and we'd go, and so one night I was just in that position, and I, I got up to take a little walk to the bathroom, and all of a sudden I noticed some movement out of the corner of my eye. And I'm like, there's somebody in our room. And you know how that, all of a sudden, that instantaneous, there's somebody in our room, and, you know, you know quickly the adrenaline flows, and you get this feeling, this, you know, so, and I turned, and there was this, this very haggard-looking guy uh, in, our, in our closet, uh, in his underwear, staring back at me. And I, I, I turned like this, and I hit my elbow on the wall and realized, I'm looking in the mirror. And when my arm hit the wall, it made some noise, and Kathy went, uh-huh. I said, it's okay, honey. I've taken care of it. Now, can you imagine being married to that guy for 34 years? Very imperfect. But God loves imperfect people. So does my bride. And trust me, there have been times, especially early in our marriage, where Kathy had a lot of reasons not to love me. I love the passage of Scripture in 1 John chapter 4, 18, where it says, perfect love casts out fear. It, it makes room for joy. Philippians 1 
Paul writes, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be successful. You don't have to know all the answers to all the questions for God to love you. You just have to receive his love. You have to receive perfect love into an imperfect life. And when you do, and you experience it, you're filled by it and changed by it and transformed by it. Do that daily, and joy will follow. Joy will be yours. You will know. You'll experience being the object of God's affection. You will know his joy is in you. God's the source of joy. Secondly, a perfect God loves imperfect people. And third, God's love never fails. When Jesus gathered, the last time he was going to have a meal with his closest followers, the disciples, he gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem, and he washed their feet, and he dried them, and he was saying to them, just as I've served you, now you serve one another. He was saying, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Remember what that new commandment was? Love one another. Love one another. He goes on to say, as he's teaching, he's saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And in the world you live in, you're going to experience difficulty. You're going to have trouble. In John 16... Verse 33, he says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. In the world, you're going to have trouble. In the world, you're going to have difficulty. But take courage. I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus didn't just say you're going to have trouble. He says, take courage. I've overcome the world. You know, someday, <clears throat> many of us perhaps will be laying right here at the front of this room in a well-decorated box. And people are going to file by and they're going to say, oh, he or she looks good. <laughs> but, but, but you won't. Because you're going to be gone. And your troubles here on this earth are going to all be over. But as long as we're still here, as long as you're still having trouble, you're still alive, right? You're still alive. You're still here. That's why we need Jesus in this life. That's why we need a source of joy. That's why it's so exciting to celebrate the coming of our Savior, the birth of the one who will rescue us. That's why every year, at this time of year, we stop everything to remember and to celebrate and to once again, once 
more anew and afresh, receive the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace in whom is the leader of the government of the universe. Isaiah chapter 9 says, the end of his government, there is no end. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. So as long as we live this side of eternity, it's going to be absolutely necessary for us to proclaim that he is our king and to live continually receiving the Spirit of God into our lives every single day. When you wake up every day, that ought to be the first thing you do. Before you swing your legs over the edge of the bed and begin your new day, we need to all say, God, I am yours and you are mine. This is your day and I am your son or I am your daughter and I'm going to walk in your truth I'm going to walk in your presence and I'm going to receive from you today what you have for me Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 8 he says Romans 8 31 he says what then shall we say to these things these things that cause trouble these things that cause challenge these things that cause us to have difficulty what shall we say to those things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? You ever feel condemned? God doesn't condemn you. The last thing he wants you to do is feel shame or separation from him. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who has raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for, the, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nothing present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who wants to say amen to that? Isn't that true? Look what we have to celebrate. <laughs> I'm telling you, friends, if anybody has a reason to be full of joy and celebrate, even in the canned food aisle, it's me. And it's you if you have Jesus.
I want to challenge you, invite you, encourage you to first receive the source of joy. Receive God and His joy. All of the joy He has for you, you are the object of His affection. I want to to encourage you to remember that there's only one who wants to condemn, there's only one who wants to shame, there's only one who wants to cause you to doubt, and that's the one Jesus came to defeat, and he's defeated, Jesus said. He's a liar and the father of lies. The only truth comes from God, and what God says is, you are the object of his affection. He is perfect, you are not, and he wants to make you perfect like he is. You believe that? now we get to receive a love that never fails. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what you're facing, no matter what challenges or difficulty or trial or conflict, God's love never fails. Let me ask you, are you fully connected Are you fully connected to the source of joy? If not, what's holding you back? What's causing you to say, I'm not ready yet? Is there a doubt? Is there a question? Is there anything at all? Another question I have for you is, what is the Holy Spirit? What's God's Spirit been saying to you this morning in this time we've had together? Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you're one who's continually been pushing back or holding back or not ready yet to receive God's love and His grace, God's joy in your life. I want to I encourage you this morning to not go another Christmas season without experiencing personally the power and presence and peace that Jesus came to give to you. So if you're here this morning and you're sensing God moving in your life, would you just Raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. Thank you. Praise God. Anybody else? Would you raise your hand? Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Father, as we pray this morning, as we all pray for one another, and as we listen to what you have to say to each one of us, I especially want to pray for these this morning that have raised their hands to say, God, I I sent you it moving in my life. I need you. And I thank you for loving me, for being here for me, for wanting what you want for me. Father, I pray you'll give assurance that you'll pour out your spirit and your presence. Help each one, especially those who raise their hands, to say, God, I want you, I need you, I will receive 
everything you have for me. Your grace, your forgiveness, your love, your joy. Father, help us all to love one another and to love those we encounter, especially in this season, with joy and grace, with generosity. Go before us and move in us and through us, Father, and enable us to be the sons and daughters of God you've called us to be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.